This video will teach you 31 English phrases and idioms that will be extremely useful for your daily conversations. All of these idioms are extremely common and natural. I actually make this list from idioms and phrases that I use in my own daily conversations. So let's get started. I'm going to teach you 31 phrases. This first phrase I saw on an advertisement and I thought, wow, this is a great phrase that isn't obvious what it means, but once you know it, it's super easy to use in your conversations. The phrase is to drop a hint. When someone drops a hint, they give you a little piece of information about what's going to happen or what they want or something that they're trying to have you find out but they're not just saying it and saying it obviously and bluntly. The most common example I can think of is many women who are in relationships will drop a hint that they want to get married, that they want to be proposed to. Especially in the United States, it's most traditional for the man to ask the woman to marry them. So women will say, wow, wouldn't it be interesting if we had a wedding or if I had a ring to wear. So these are just little hints that they want to get married, but they're not saying, I want you to propose to me. They're just dropping hints. One of my favorite sporting events to watch on television is anything from the Olympics. I remember watching the Summer Olympics and the famous Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt absolutely blew all of the other runners out of the water. Now, this example means that he beat them by so much, it was not even close. You can use this phrase to blow someone out of the water when you beat someone by a very large margin or you completely surpass them or completely defeat them. The competition is not close when you blow someone out of the water. And doing a little bit of research, I found that this phrase comes from the idea of dropping a bomb in the water and a boat just flies out of the water because the bomb is so large. Well, we use this phrase in just daily English to mean that you beat someone by a lot. Instead of saying that there was bad weather while you were driving on a trip, we say in the United States, we hit some weather. Now, this phrase seems a little bit strange. It seems a little bit broad, but it really just means that there was some significant weather, either a snowstorm, a rainstorm, a tornado, some sort of weather event that came on the road while you were driving that delayed your trip. This phrase is especially useful in the United States or countries like the United States where the weather can change so quickly across many parts of the United States, either snows we have tornadoes in the south. We have hurricanes by the ocean. There are just so many different types of weather in the United States that this phrase is super useful. So maybe you're driving to a place like Texas in the United States and you can say, our trip got delayed because we hit some weather on the road. This can mean there is either some sort of storm or tornado that made it take longer in your drive. Maybe you had to stop while you're driving because the weather was dangerous. So instead of saying we had bad weather while we were driving, you can just simply say we hit some weather. I love this next English idiom. The phrase is to poke the bear. You guys will have to let me know in the comments if you have a phrase like this in your native language as well. But this idiom comes from the idea that if there was a bear sleeping, 
you could kind of antagonize the bear. It means just bother it by giving it little pokes. And if you do a little poke, most of the time, a sleeping bear would not wake up. But if you poke the bear enough, it will wake up and be a scary bear and attack you maybe. But this phrase is just saying, you know, don't antagonize people. Don't bother them. Because if you poke the bear enough or if you bother people enough, they'll explode or they'll do something bad to you or they will retaliate. This phrase is also used in the news if there is a country that's very powerful and people are doing things politically to bother that country that they don't like, they're negative to the bigger country, people can say they're poking the bear to start a war. This next phrase is obviously used in a very casual way, very informally, but I actually say this phrase all of the time and my four-year-old son thinks it's hilarious. When I have a moment where I make a mistake just because there's too much going on in my mind or I just mess up on something that would be very simple normally, I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I had a brain fart. So the other day I gave my son a cup that belonged to his brother and they're very particular about who gets what cup. And my son said, hey, that's not mine, that's my brother's. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I had a brain fart. This just means I forgot briefly. I had a quick moment where my brain wasn't working. It's like a brain fart. An interesting thing about this next phrase is that many Americans are actually saying the wrong word for this phrase. The phrase is brass tacks, like sharp tacks. But many Americans hear it as brass tax, T-A-X, like a fee imposed to you by the government. I had to do a little bit of research of where this phrase brass tax comes from. And it comes from the old trade of making men's suits in order to accurately measure the cloth that was going to be used for the suits. The people who would make the suits would nail down brass tacks, the sharp tacks, and that would be the most accurate measurement that they could get. So this phrase in the English language is used to say, let's start talking about the important details, the very specific details. So maybe if you're going to a business meeting, you'll start out by making small talk, you know, how's your day, how's the weather, things like that. And then when you want to start talking about money or very important things in the meeting, you can say, all right, let's get down to brass tax now. So let's get down to brass tax means let's start talking about the important details of what our conversation is about. This next phrase is a compliment. It's a compliment that I've heard in my own life, but I think it's very strange to hear for the first time when you're learning English. The phrase is, you're so smiley. To describe someone as smiley might seem obvious. It just means they smile a lot. Maybe your friend has a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend, and they're just smiling all the time. You could say, you're so smiley. You're so smiley lately. That just means you're very happy, but it's obvious that you're happy because you're smiling a lot. A very important phrase in the English language is give or take. If you are giving someone an approximate number, that means you're kind of guessing. It's not exactly accurate. 
you will say it's about six, give or take, for example. So that means it could be five, it could be four, it could be seven, it could be eight. It's just kind of an estimate. You can also ask someone for an estimate by saying, how many do you think, give or take? Maybe you're throwing a party and you're not sure exactly how many guests you will have. So in your head, you can say, I think I will need to have five pizzas, give or take. That means you could order an extra pizza for your guests at the party or you could probably just stick with five or maybe even four and you would be okay. You're just giving an estimate by saying give or take, or you're asking for an estimate if you say how many give or take. Some of my English students will come to me and say, I have tried to learn English in every single way possible. I just can't memorize all of these phrases. Well, here's a phrase that you could use instead of saying all of these words. You could say, I have tried every trick in the book to learn English. This means that you've tried every single option available to you. So if you've tried every trick in the book to do something, usually you're trying to reach a goal or you're trying to complete a task that's usually very difficult and you've used every single strategy available. Another way that we use this phrase is, let's say we have a child that needs to take medicine. Kids don't usually like to take medicine because it tastes bad to them. So we try every trick in the book to make it taste good and to get them to take it more easily. So I could give my child ice cream if they eat their medicine, or I could say, I'll mix your medicine up with some juice. I've tried every trick in the book, and usually one of the tricks will work, but sometimes you can try every trick in the book and you just can't figure out how to get a kid to take their medicine. This next phrase is super, super useful, so pay close attention. When you want to say that someone has the start of a really good idea or they have achieved something that's really good and they should take it further, you can say, you're onto something. So I think of the company Apple. They created iPhones and they realized that people really like having all of these apps on their phone that can do different things like a calculator, text messages, um, you can even use your maps on your phone. They really realize they're onto something. And now, of course, today we have thousands and thousands, maybe even more apps that we can download on our phone to do different things. I mean, people even, you know, connect to cameras in their house from their phone. They were really onto something in the early days of creating the iPhone. And now our iPhones are like our entire lives. So when you use this phrase, you're on to something, you say it to someone to make sure that they know they have a good idea and they should take it even further. This next phrase is very simple, but it's used in a few different ways. If you want to say that something happens again and again, it's very predictable. Or you can say, you know, you've achieved results by working hard. You can say it once again. Once again, we worked hard and we achieved our goal. It's a really common way to start a sentence. Or you can use it in a negative way. If you are irritated with someone for sleeping late all the time, you can say, once again, you slept through your alarm and you were late. You're just using this phrase to emphasize that someone keeps doing the same thing again and again. Once again. This next phrase is also very simple, 
but used extremely frequently in the English language, especially in casual English conversations. The phrase is the fact that. So we start our sentences with this, usually when we're irritated about something or annoyed with something. So going back to my last example, you could say, the fact that you slept in late again, it really means that you don't care about your work. So you're emphasizing a fact or something that has happened to prove your point. You can also use this phrase in a positive way as well. You could say about someone, the fact that they donated so much money to charity really shows that they're a good person. So it's just one thing proving another. You start your sentence with saying the fact that. Instead of saying that you are contributing money or investing money in something, you can say you put up money for something. So to put up money for something means you invest or you contribute. For example, you could say, I put up money for you to go to college and you're just wasting your time. That means you invested your money in a friend or a family member to go to college. Maybe you helped them out by giving them some money to pay for the tuition and now they're just wasting their time. A really common phrase that we use in our everyday conversations and a phrase that's super common in literature as well, that means books and different types of writing, is little did I know, or little did he know, or little did she know, whoever it might be. So it just indicates that something that seems insignificant or just not very important is going to be very important soon to that person. A funny story that has this phrase in it is when I was at college, I met my husband and I'm sure he just thought, you know, I was some girl that liked him, but now little did he know I was going to be his wife and I was going to have a family with him someday. So it's just kind of funny when something that seems insignificant or it might not be that important becomes very important later. If you want to say that you have a very strong and committed belief to something and you will always define yourself with that belief, you can say, I always have and I always will. For example, let's say you are a very hard worker and you think that hard work is one of the most important qualities that you can have. And someone says, wow, you're a very hard worker. You can say, I always have been and I always will be. This just indicates that you're very strongly believing in this thing. Or you can use this in a negative way to describe someone. You could say, they have always been a liar and they always will be a liar. So the phrase is always have and always will. Instead of saying that you are waiting for some sort of authority to approve what you're going to do, what you're about to do, you can say you're waiting on the go ahead. So this phrase is very common in conversation. You could use this in, in a more formal sense or informally, but it just means that you're waiting for a go ahead, which would mean an approval of your actions. A common scenario when you might use this phrase, let's say you are a builder and you are ready to build a house. All of the plans are ready. They're just waiting to be approved by whoever's paying for the building. So you could say, our plans are ready. We're just waiting for the go ahead from the people who bought this building. So you're waiting for approval from an authority on the project. This next word is used very commonly in the English language. The word is naturally. So 
Oftentimes, we say things are naturally occurring. For instance, you could say there are not many naturally occurring fruit trees in the United States. That means trees with fruit don't just often grow in the United States. People have to plant them. So they're planted by a human, but they don't come naturally. That means from the earth without intervention. Now, we also use this word in conversation quite frequently to mean that something is obvious. So naturally, I would be really excited about winning a million dollars. Or you could use this in a negative way to say, naturally, you will be disappointed if you don't get the job. This means don't worry about how you feel because it's so natural. It's what we would expect. So it's obvious or expected when you throw in the word naturally. And you'll hear English speakers in the United States use this word in their sentences quite frequently. Naturally, we will say naturally all the time. This phrase, to trash someone, is used so frequently now, especially by younger people in the United States. It's more of a slang phrase, but it's very common now. To trash someone means to talk very negatively about someone or to insult them, especially if we say behind their backs or not to their face. So in the United States, it's not uncommon at all to trash politicians because we have such free speech here. You can't really get in trouble for speaking negatively about the people in power, where I know that's not common everywhere in the world, but here it's very common to trash politicians or to talk very negatively or to insult them even. A funny phrase that's actually used quite commonly in the English language is the phrase dry as a bone. If you want to say that something just doesn't have any water or has nothing left, you can say it's dry as a bone. For instance, right now there's not a lot of rain where I live, so my grass in my yard is turning kind of brown. It's really dry as a bone. That means there's no water present. Or you can say, can I have a sip of your drink? And someone might say, sorry, it's dry as a bone. That means there's no water or no liquid left in it. It's a really funny phrase, but it's used quite frequently. When we want to say that something is very normal and we always do it, we can say it's routine. For instance, when you go to the doctor in the United States, they ask you so many different questions about your health and they'll even ask you, have you had cancer? Do you have heart problems? And you might say, why do you need all of this information? The doctor will say, well, it's just routine that we ask these questions just in case. That means it's completely normal. We do it for everyone. It's the routine. Or if you go to an airport in the United States, of course we have very, very intense security at an airport. It's called TSA. And you have to go through, you have to take your shoes off, you have to take your belt off, you put your bag through an x-ray scanner. And you might say, why do we need to do all of this? And we just usually say, well, it's just routine. Everyone has to do it. That means it's common. It's completely normal. It is what the norm is. It's routine. In English, when someone makes a mistake and they're kind of worried about it, but you want to assure them that there's no penalty for their mistake. Nothing happened that was bad to anyone because of their mistake. It's just not a big deal. You can use the phrase, no harm, no foul. This just means no harm was done. That means no one was hurt. So there is no foul or no penalty. Usually this word 
foul means a penalty in soccer or basketball or whatever sport you're talking about, but we can use it in this phrase as well. Let's say that you were going to a meeting and you actually got the time wrong for a meeting. You showed up an hour early and the person you're meeting with says, oh, I'm sorry, you're early. And you say, oh, I'm so sorry. I totally messed up. And they'll say, well, I have time now. No harm, no foul. That means there's no penalty for being early. Even though you made this mistake, there's no foul because nothing bad happened. So if you want to just say to someone that their mistake is insignificant, it doesn't hurt anyone, they're not going to be penalized, use the phrase, no harm, no foul. Speaking of the word foul, this next phrase is foul play. This phrase is important to know, especially if you like watching crime shows, because oftentimes when someone dies or they get hurt, the police will say there was no foul play suspected. That means the person was maybe sick or they died of natural causes or there just was an accident that was not caused by someone else. But if there was foul play suspected, that means that they think that someone else did this crime. Now, you can use this in less severe situations as well. Again, if you're at work and someone made a mistake, but you don't think the mistake was done to purposely hurt you or purposely hurt your company, you can say, well, there was no foul play. That means it was just an accident. A great phrase that you can use to give a compliment, especially in English, is to say that something was well-deserved. So when someone wins an award or if someone gets a raise in their salary, you can say that was really well-deserved. That means that you think they worked so hard that they especially deserve the award or the merit or the amount of money that they've been given. Or someone might say, well, I'm just so lucky to have the job that I have right now. You can say, well, it's very well-deserved. You worked very hard in school and you got good grades. So to say that something is well-deserved means the person has earned it and the person has worked very hard. Okay, I'm so sorry to say, but oftentimes English learners, when they're starting to speak English, will say, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. They will overuse this phrase, especially if they want to show they're happy and friendly. And maybe you're more advanced. You're not using this phrase too much anymore. But a good phrase that you can throw into your vocabulary is, this brought me so much joy. Native English speakers will use this phrase when they want to say that something was very, very joyful or it made them very happy. But it's just a good alternative phrase to use to saying, I'm so happy. So right now, the new Spider-Man movie is out. For many people, this brings them so much joy to see this movie. I've heard it's very good and I want to see it soon. Or if something very simple makes you very happy, you could say, wow, this ice cream just brought me so much joy today. That means a small thing just made me very happy. It brought me joy. This next phrase is very common and it's really funny as well. Make sure to remember this one. If you want to say that someone has betrayed you or someone blamed you for something, and they didn't try to cover it up at all, you can say they threw you under the bus. So this idiom is very common. An example I can think of for this idiom 
is one time my kids were eating a bunch of candy and I said, who let you have all this candy? This is way too much candy. They said, well, dad gave it to us. They totally threw their dad under the bus. So instead of, you know, thanking their dad for giving them candy by, you know, not telling mom, they just threw him under the bus. They blamed him right away. A very interesting phrase in English is, it led me to believe. So this phrase is used very specifically when, you know, you see something happening quite frequently. So it leads you to believe or it makes you think that something is the norm or it makes you think of something is going to always happen because you see it so frequently. So when I was a kid, which I think this is very common for many children, you see movies where people, adults, you know, drive nice cars, they have lots of money, they have all this freedom. So it led me to believe that being an adult is very fun and it's very cool. But in reality, even though being an adult is fun sometimes, you have to work a lot when you're an adult to pay for things like nice cars, nice houses, vacations, things like that. So don't lead your kids to believe that everything comes easy. You have to teach them that you have to work a lot as an adult as well. This next phrase makes me think of one time when I was at the mall with my husband. So in the mall, there are these things called kiosks. They're not stores, but they're little stands in the middle of the mall floor where people try to sell you products. So maybe they'll say, oh, look at this. This is an amazing cleaning device. And it's not something that's usually sold commonly. So you kind of are intrigued and you look at it and... Oftentimes, these people will really, really aggressively try to sell you something. One time, my husband almost got suckered in to buying some face cream from one of the kiosks. And I kept saying, come on, we have to go. We're not going to buy this. Now, the person who was selling this wanted a lot of money for this face cream that I had never even heard of. And he tried to suck us into buying this because he was, you know, saying, oh, you're going to have all these great results. This face cream is amazing. And I just, I didn't really believe it, to be honest. And my husband was like, I don't know, this guy seems really nice. He seems really honest. And I said, come on, let's not get suckered into buying this. So you might have heard the two phrases I heard while telling this story, to get sucked into something and to get suckered into something. Mm -hmm. These phrases are both pretty much used in the same way. I would say to get suckered into something is a little bit more harsh because you're calling yourself a sucker or you're insulting your own intelligence. If you say you got sucked into doing something or suckered into doing something, it means you kind of got tricked into doing it or tricked into buying it, even though you have better judgment normally. So when salespeople are very aggressive, it's important not to get sucked into buying something that you can't afford or you don't need. A very common phrase that you can use when you're about to go do something that's either challenging or, you know, kind of scary at first, you can say, I'm about to brave. This phrase is very common when you're about to go somewhere that's very busy. You can say, I'm about to go brave the crowd. This means even though I know this place is going to be very crowded and there's going to be lots of people and lots of waiting. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to go there anyway. 
Or if there's a big storm outside, you can say, I'm going to brave the storm. That means even though the storm might make it difficult to drive or to go somewhere, I'm going to be brave and I'm just going to go out and face it. If you like Adam Sandler movies, you might know this phrase because it's the title of a movie he made with Jennifer Aniston. This movie is very strange, but it was pretty popular and the phrase is just go with it. Now, the premise of this movie that's titled Just Go With It is all about him faking his family on a trip to kind of impress a woman. It's a really strange movie. But basically, Jennifer Aniston and these two kids have to pretend like they are Adam Sandler's family. And in order to get the lie to just work, the phrase they use again and again is just go with it. Just pretend everything is real, even though it's a very strange situation. So if you're about to lie and you want someone to play along with your lie or kind of help you convince people of a lie, you can say, let's just go with it. Just go with whatever I say. This means just accept it and act like it's normal. You can also use this phrase when someone gives you the wrong item, but you think it's okay, you can accept it. You can say, I'll just go with it. It's fine. For instance, if you say, hey, can I get a diet Pepsi? or a Diet Coke, and they give you a regular Pepsi or regular Coke, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we just have the regular kind. Is that okay? And you can say, yeah, I'll just go with it. It's fine. That means I'll accept it even though it's not exactly what I wanted or what I asked for. Just go with it. This next one is kind of a phrasal verb, but it's very common in the English language, so I want to review some ways that we use pop up. When you say that something pops up, it means it comes up unexpectedly. You can be saying that something literally pops up, it comes into your view. You know, I was in a haunted house and all of a sudden somebody dressed in a costume popped up at me. That means they jumped up, you didn't see them before, but now you see them. Or you can say, my schedule was really free today, but all of the sudden a lot of meetings popped up. That means you weren't expecting to have a lot of meetings on your schedule but now they have come onto your schedule unexpectedly. One phrase that I heard recently that I think is very useful to you as well is when someone wants to recommend something very strongly, they can say, I can't recommend it enough. Again, the new Spider-Man movie is out and someone said to me recently, you should go see it. I can't recommend it enough. They really enjoyed the movie. They thought it was really good. So I'm going to go see Into the Spider-Verse. Thank you guys so much for learning these 31 English phrases with you. I hope they are really useful for your English vocabulary and you start to feel like you're speaking very naturally with native English speakers in your conversations. If you want more conversation practice, make sure you go check out my course at EnglishWithKayla.com. And I'll see you guys in the next lesson. Goodbye.